Hi, this is Derek Schleeps, and you're listening to the Million Dollar Mind Podcast. What's going on, millionaires? You're listening to the Million Dollar Mind Podcast, episode 152 on creating marketing systems for your small business. Now, I'm super excited about this conversation. One, let me give a quick disclaimer. Disclaimer, I do not, I'm not typically a fan of us labeling our businesses as small businesses, right? Because of course, when we start out, it's going to start off as a small business. But unless you are intentionally making your business small, that's why I don't like like labeling the business as a small business, because eventually I'm trying to make this business a big business. So, of course, when it comes to going from small business to big business, you have to do things a little bit differently. What got you to, you know, 10K a month is not going to be the same systems and same processes to get you to 100K a month. So that's why I thought it was important to have this episode with who I'm having it. I'm having it with a marketing guru, man. I'm super excited to have this conversation. I'm going to bring our our guest on in just a little bit. But that's why I wanted to have this content, because I think it's super important that we learn the importance of scaling and changing a few things in our business so that we can convert and make that 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 uh, shift from small business to big business. So right when we dive into today's content, I do want to introduce our guest, Derek Sleeps, who we're going to we're, we're going to hear so much about him. But I do want to pass the mic off to you, Derek, to tell us a little bit more about yourself. Tell our guests what they can expect from today's episode and we can dive right in. Well, yeah, no, I really appreciate you having me on. Um, thank you so much for that intro. Um, so, yeah, like like my name is Derek Sleeps. Um, I've lived in Seattle most of my life. Um, actually, for a year, I lived in Japan for 13 months, and that was a interesting experience. But um, yeah, like so, my my background actually, um, I I actually grew up as a gymnast, um, believe it or not. So that's kind of something uh, most people don't know about me. But um, I was actually a gymnastics coach for quite a long time, um, and then I kind of decided to pivot and change the uh, traject- traject- trajectory of my career. Um, and so I started looking deeply into things like uh, front and back end web development. Um, I looked into different, you know, business models and uh, kind of fell in love with uh, marketing. And I didn't expect to go that route, actually. Um, but when I first got into that, uh, my original mentor was pretty good at working with real estate investors. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd always had an interest in investing. Um, ever since college, I read, you know, rich dad, poor dad. Um, and so based on his experience and the fact that I already, you know, was drawn to that, that just was kind of a natural thing for me to focus on. So for the last three years now, I've almost exclusively worked with people in the real estate space, uh, doing all kinds of different, uh, things with their marketing to kind of like you you described to, to help them go from doing. Uh, like if they're, you know, a, a wholesaler doing one to five deals a month, okay, now how do you actually build the systems and scale that to doing, you know, 10 plus deals a month? Like what, what do you need to add to your business? What do you need to, to modify and change? Um, and so that's really what I've, what I've focused on, um, over the last three years, I've worked with other agencies large in this space that have solely focused on real estate professionals. Um, at one point I was managing like 27 of these accounts at once. Uh, so that's kind of my background and just like a summary of my experience. 
Now, there's a lot of applications for um, uh, marketing that are applicable across any kind of business model. So I'm, you know, I'm totally happy to kind of uh, go through some of that. Um, for example, I recently just talked to actually a friend I have uh, on the other side of the world who is just working on his business for NFTs. Mm. Um, and so I, I basically, you know, with him, I sat down and just kind of walked through everything that I do with investors. And a lot of it was, was just as applicable because the concepts and the principles for marketing are, are the same. So To our millionaires who are new and joining us for the first time, welcome back to the Million Dollar Mind podcast. I'm your guy, Kai Speaks, and this is the world's most trusted podcast for passion attraction. And you're in the right place if you're here looking for money, making tips and tricks to living a more passionate life. So you just heard briefly from our guest of the hour, Derek Sleeps. He is a the appointment king. I like I just kind of dubbed him as the appointment king because he's really like helping people just book more appointments through his innovative marketing techniques that he's as he spoke about pretty briefly. Right. So we're going to dive into that. Also, Facebook and Google as expert and REI inbound strategist. Um, so with that being said, with all this that we just talked about, Derek sleeps is nobody to sleep on. No pun intended. <laughs> I was just waiting to say something like that. <laughs> hey, Derek, I'm going to have some fun, man. I'm going to have some fun. I'm going to have some fun, man. Oh, man. So, again, I appreciate you uh, you, um, you joining us. So, I do want to just start off with your story. Like, what experience, uh, you know, what experiences have you had that kind of molded you in to the person that is, you know, sitting down and joining us today? Oh, like I said, I was a gymnast for a long time. I mean, when I was 12 years old, I was training in the gym 30 hours a week. Mm -hmm. And uh, that that is probably one of the largest things that has molded me. Um, That definitely put a work ethic in me that I think is unique. And I've applied that to every area of my life. Um, Now, I mean, obviously, like I said, I was a coach for a long time. And so that's also kind of molded me. So I... I look at things both from the perspective of like what I'm doing day to day and also from the perspective of like, how is what I'm doing day to day and what I'm learning? How can I later pass that on to other people to help them grow? I've always looked at life like that. I, I always have had kind of like a, a teacher's mindset. Um, but I also love to dig into things that are more, you know, like technical and uh, I'm, I'm, I love to study. So I don't know if that really answered your question, but um yeah, no, I could definitely uh, see how, you know, the the life of a gymnast has probably instilled a lot of like discipline um, in, in your life and things of that nature. And I was actually going to lead that uh, lead into that next. I do recall you mentioned it to me when we first spoke that you started off, uh, started off as a gymnast at one point, um, which so what caused such a drastic shift uh, in your profession, like going from gymnast to now this uh, marketing strategist? What happened in between that time to where you started to make that transition? Yeah. So, I mean, I, ever since I was uh, in college, you know, I was always looking for ways like, how do I make money online? How do I, you know, I was trying to learn about investments. Like, how do I, how do I do things, you know, cause I, I didn't like the idea of kind of going the normal route of working, you know, just a day job my whole life. Um, and kind of, you know, and going down that path, I was like, I want to build something, you know, I want to have something in my life where I am building on my own, constructing that, you know, uh, kind of taking more responsibility for that, but also do something right that where, um, like I said, where I'm, I'm I'm building something that's going to benefit other people. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that, that's kind of what set it off. And I just had that in the back of my mind for a long time. 
I had done, like I said, I was a gymnast for many years. Um, my original plan was actually to go to the Air Force Academy or the Naval Academy. Uh, I had a full ride scholarship to, to Naval Academy and ROTC, but I was fully disqualified in high school because of a peanut allergy. So that drastically changed changed my direct my trajectory as well. And so I ended up going to college studying Japanese um, and was really trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And again, I was trying to think like, you know, do is there any other way that I can, you know, could start building something of my own? Ended up going to Japan, came back, and you know, I had spent most of my twenties coaching. Right, most of my twenties was as a gymnastics coach. And I finally got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm either going to do this for, for, you know, the rest of my life, or I'm going to shift and I'm going to, I'm just going to kind of, you know, go, go entirely in another direction and do something that I've been wanting to do for a very long time. And that's when I, like I said, I started, I taught myself front and back in web development. I thought that was a good starting point. And then I started digging into marketing and that's when I found that mentor, that first mentor that really helped me kind of learn some, you know, uh, so kind of the basics of that for real, the real estate space in particular. And then I just kept building from there. I was like, okay, this is where I want to go. This is what I want to do. And that's I, at that point I made that shift. Awesome. Awesome. So man, so I, I heard a lot of, a lot of nuggets there. So more so it was, it sounds like throughout the gymnastics, something kind of changed to where it became less of a passion to where you started to look into joining the military that didn't work out. And so were you, when you decided to join the military and that didn't work out, do you think that that is when you kind of tapped away from gymnastics and then started to more so just look into the web development and things like that? Oh no. Gymnastics have been a passion of mine for my entire life. Um, okay. And like, like I said, so I, I had applied to the, the academies for the military in high school and I was still oh, doing okay, gymnastics gotcha. at that point. Um, but just because of a simple allergy, I was fully disqualified from the academies and um, basically I, you know, I, I just, I, I had, I got kind of like a, um, what was, I studied international studies at uh, the university of Washington mm-hmm. and just continued to learn Japanese. Cause that was something else I was interested in. Um, but I, I continued to, to go along the path of, of gymnastics. Cause I thought, well, maybe, you know, I'll just, this is, I've been passionate about this for so long. But it was never something I was building myself, if that makes sense. I was I was constructing a team. Mm-hmm. I was teaching others, but it wasn't my own business, right? I was still working within, um, you know, the, the businesses that I was that I was coaching for, mm-hmm. and I really wanted to do something, you know, that that I was fully responsible for, right? That I could really build myself, and also that had to do more with, like I said, the not only the real estate space, but with technology. Um, with kind of like the technical aspect of it, that had been, you know, something I'd been, I, I, my mind has always kind of worked in that way for for a very long Mm -hmm. time. And so, um, that's kind of, that's kind of how that worked out. The shift really was, was like, cause I I knew like, right. If I'm doing coaching for the rest of my life, I'm I'm only going to go to a certain, you know, I'm only going to reach a certain level. And for me to really, you know, reach the goals that I have, like that's, I had to make that shift. And so as far as as far as you identifying that niche uh, of doing uh, and, and focusing more so on real estate, why why real estate? Why not, um, let's say, um, subscription based businesses or um, anything else like why real estate? How did you come to finding out that this was going to be the niche that I at least start off with? 
it just it just made the most sense to me like i said i i've always been interested in investments and stuff like that like uh i mean recently um you know crypto and bitcoin and all that stuff has kind of blown up in the last couple of years uh, i remember when that was first coming out in gosh i was i was this was back like uh, 2011 or so 2012 mm-hmm. and i remember looking up online how to how to ways to make money online and stuff was coming up about bitcoin right and i had no idea what that was um that was when it was first getting started and so and like i said in college i was also reading books like you know rich dad poor dad that was that had a big effect on me and that was always something that i had had in the back of my mind um and so just investing real estate um technology all that stuff had just been really interesting to me and something i knew i wanted to move towards for a long time if that makes sense so when i got into marketing and my mentor was already in that space it just instantly made made sense to me and so I bring up crypto and Bitcoin because that's another area that I, I see the real estate space moving towards. Um, now that NFTs, have, you know, those those are huge. And so now I think recently we had the first real estate transaction using NFTs uh, ever. I think it was just a couple months ago, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've been here. I've been hearing about this um, for for a while now. Well, when I say a while for the last eight weeks or so. I've been hearing that now people are getting into the space of buying and selling real estate to where now you have people who own restaurants and uh, lounges and even strip clubs inside the 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 metaverse uh, in, in this in this space. Uh, so it, it is changing the game. So while we're still kind of on this n- NFT and, and metaverse, you did mention uh, about a project of you helping a friend of yours with kind of doing the same strategies. So t- can you kind of touch on how these strategies are so transferable, right? You, you started off with real estate, but now you're seeing that, you know, these same strategies can apply to NFT or these same strategies can apply to people with subscription-based businesses and models like that. How, how is it so easily transferable? Yeah. So that comes down to the concepts. Um, I would say like, you know, obviously if you're running an, a specific type of ad, uh, obviously, the, you're not going to use the exact same ad for one business as you would for another. But the principles of marketing are the exact same. So marketing generally, it's it all starts with testing. It all starts with with a kind of a foundation, right? So when I look at it with real estate, let's say that you're starting with just social media. You have to have some sort of a foundation from which you're going to advertise. So that could be, you know, your social media pages, your branding, your website, whatever, right? You have to have some sort of a presence. Now, a lot of people have that presence already because they've just to get their business up and going, they have to use their time and they have to do kind of organic outreach online. Um, Cause in business, like, like I'm sure all of you know, like there's only two currencies, money or time. So at the beginning you use your, you use your time. You have to build that up. And then when you have that system, then you start to use your money to win back your time, to, to buy back your time through building systems. When it comes to marketing and advertising, just for real estate, for example, you have like your social media, and then you start with one form of marketing, for example, right? Let's say you're doing paid traffic on Facebook. Okay, so you're going to test. Do you, do you keep them on platform or do you take them off platform? What kind of campaign are you running? It all involves like you have, you have to basically going to work. And then you, once you find a system that works and you, you develop that proof of concept, then you can basically expand that to, to a different form of marketing and you start to layer them on top of each other. So when it came to helping my friends with NFTs, what I was looking at is, okay, where's he already at? What is he already doing? 
what is his, you know, what is his um, current strategy and, and how is, is that working or is it not working? And then, okay, what is the goal? What is the actual objective? And how do you connect that objective, right, th through either paid traffic or a more robust organic strategy through, you know, I mean, for him, it's more like Twitter, right? Twitter, I know Twitter, Discord, there's other um, platforms, Reddit, Quora, that you can advertise on specifically for, um, for that type of business. But again, it comes down to you, you, have, you have a foundation that you start from, and then you basically you test. You test one thing at a time. Uh, in marketing, we call it A-B testing. Um, in some cases, you can do more than just A-B testing. You can test a whole bunch of different things at once, depending on how powerful the, the algorithms are on the platform. Um, but that, that's kind of like a, I, I, I don't know, I hope I don't, I'm not getting ahead of um, your question, but that's kind of like a, just a, an overview. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I don't think that you were getting ahead at all. In fact, just kind of what you shared kind of helps me, uh, well, not necessarily help me understand, but gives me even more questions because I'm just a, I'm just a baby in the game right now, Derek. And I'm just trying to understand, you know, how, how all this stuff works. And, you know, when we're dealing with a lot of new entrepreneurs and young entrepreneurs who are, are getting started, and as you mentioned, they start off using a lot of their time. And when it comes to now the transition of identifying like, hey, I'm using a lot of my time, but I have some money so I can buy back a little bit of my time. With marketing, I think it is so people people shy away from using that money towards marketing because of how unknown it is. And I hear you saying things like testing, A-B testing. Um, is there a way to kind of like help people feel a little bit more confident of using those dollars for marketing, uh, especially like for the content? Like what what is it exactly? Are you um, advertising the, the content of what you're advertising? How do you test that um, before just dumping a whole lot of money just to have an ad flop and not produce um, the results? Or what kind of mindset, I think, is the best question? What kind of mindset should people be in? when they enter this space of testing these different ads and, uh, and marketing uh, techniques? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. So number one, it does depend on the niche. It does depend on the industry. I mean, you think about just for real estate, right? If you're doing thinking just wholesaling, um, the average time that I understand, the average time from contract to close itself is just 30 days. So if you're going to start testing marketing, first of all, you have to think, okay, you have to think quarterly. That's the best way to think about it. If you think month to month and the average time it takes is 30 days, well, you may not have enough time to really determine is this, you know, working long term, right? So that's the first thing I tell people, at least within real estate to think about, and this applies to whether, you know, I'm working with agents, realtors, brokers, wholesalers, rehabbers, you have to think about that in a quarterly way. Um, my process basically is we start with one area and we get a proof of concept there. So let's say you start with something like Facebook, Instagram, right? And you keep them on the platform. So you keep the actual leads on the platform. You don't take them off to a website, right? So you may not even have that built yet, <laughs> right? But you keep them on platform. You test that. You get a proof of concept there. Okay, so then now that's working. Now you build out a conversion uh, optimized landing page. And then you, instead of keeping them on platform using Facebook's lead forms, now you start to send them off platform to that landing page. And so now you're testing that. And then you start to compare, right? Once you have that developed, okay, now if that landing page is now converting on Facebook, well, now let's take that same landing page. We know it converts well for one platform. Let's take it to another platform. Let's try Google Paperclip. Because by then we have the foundation of, okay, if this works here, now we'll move it here. And so you start building that out. But in other industries, 
I mean, first of all, you want to make sure that you have like um, a, a goal, an objective, a campaign objective. You have to know like what what your actual goal is. Like, are you are you just looking for email opt-ins? Are you looking for appointments? Are you looking for you know name, email, phone number? Are you just looking for people to join your Discord? Right? Are you like you have to have an objective first. Once you have the objective, then you can write copy and develop the ads, basically to obtain that objective and you want to start with at least a template that you know has been proven by someone else already um and then you can adjust it and adapt it for your own purposes that's what i would recommend if you're new there are ways to do this like like tiktok for example if you tiktok's really new right now right relatively for a lot of businesses are getting into tiktok if you're going to experiment with advertising on tiktok you can literally go into you know you create your business and ad account manager for the business side of things, you can literally go in and they have a, a mini ads library where you can look at the top performing ads and you can see what people are actually already doing. You can search by industry. And so that's what I would tell people to do. Like if you're going to try to do this on your own, do some, do research and you can actually search. Same thing with Facebook. Facebook has a um, Facebook ads library. You can literally search by keyword. And as long as someone's running ads, you could even search your competitors and see what ads they're already running. And you can start there as, as, a, as a kind of like a, a foundation. Now, Facebook didn't used to have that. Um, I think TikTok is doing something similar, but it's not as uh, built out and as robust as Facebook because it's newer. But that's where I would start. Like I said, it's like step by step, but start, try to try to do research first. And um, like, I literally just had a friend, he just asked me the other day about um, how to, like, he, he was asking me for ideas. Okay. Uh, he, he works with people who um, are in the kind of mental health space. Okay. So he had a client come to him who uh, basically wanted to advertise his um, uh, surf. I think it's like surf retreats, something like that, like a some sort of business like that, where they, where they wanted to advertise their event. And all that I did to give him ideas, I just went onto the Facebook ads library and typed in keywords based on that. And I sent him probably 15 photos of ads, ads examples that, that they could use for something very similar. So that's that's what I recommend to do to people or to do um, for people who are who are, you know, kind of just starting out looking for ideas. Wow, that is um, that's a huge gem right there. Like I I didn't even want to want to cut you off, but I was super like eager to just hit that because that was a gem right there, Derek. Like (laughs) I had no idea TikTok or even Facebook had these libraries to where you can look at actively running ads and kind of see how they're performing. Wow. Like I was, cause I was getting ready to ask you like, well, if you don't have someone that you can duplicate, uh, do you, re- do you recommend maybe doing it organically and just kind of trial and error and doing it that way? But you can kind of skip the whole trial and error, uh, of doing it organically and just kind of posting and see what works by just going to these ad libraries. It sounds like seeing what works and just copying that, but just plugging and playing your own content and your own, uh, originality into the ad. Yeah. And the other thing is that people need to remember that content you use in an ad, you can use that for content on your page, on your website. The main point is that you want to be speaking to your target audience. Mm -hmm. Okay. Every ad should be designed to have like basically like five different parts or just even thinking just content that you're writing. Right. So number one, you want to, if you're doing something like TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, those are all what we call disruption marketing, meaning that you're literally trying to disrupt someone in the middle of what they're doing to get them to pay attention to you. So on YouTube, that's the first five seconds, right? On TikTok, 
I don't know what the time limit is, but it's, you know, they're swiping like they would Instagram, but it's all video. You have a couple brief seconds in there to get their attention. Facebook, there's an Instagram scrolling through their newsfeed. You want something that an image or a video that stands out grabs their attention, right? If you're doing video, maybe like wave at them, like knock on the screen, right? Like, hey, 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 pay attention here, right? It's disruption marketing. It's different than Google PPC, which is, you know, higher intense search-based marketing. So with disruption marketing, number one, you need an image that's just disruptive or a video that's disruptive. Number two, your headline should be calling out who you're actually talking to. That's the first thing. Like, especially on Facebook, those first few lines, you need to be speaking directly to your target audience. Number three, you need to be addressing their pain points. What are they actually struggling with? What are they going through? What, what would apply to them? What USPs do you offer? Unique selling propositions do you offer to them that would be like what would what actually help them in their situation, right? With their problem that they're going through. You need to understand your your target, uh, your target client or market. And last, you need to give a call to action, right? Present your offer. That's another obvious one. Present what you're offering, but give a clear call to action, right? Click this, go here, take this next step. You have to do that with, with disruption marketing because there the psychology is a little different, right? They were just scrolling through their feed. They were just watching a video. They were just doing what they're doing. You've now disrupted them. So it takes a little bit, right? You need to put a little bit more of that in there to actually guide them clearly, step by step by step. Do this, do this, do this, do this. Now, that process that I just described of like those five things, if you find an ad in an ad library that has those five elements, you sure use it from, you can test it for marketing. You can test it at Facebook, whatever you're doing. But you could use those five elements or that on platform content on your website, right? If you're creating Instagram posts, you're creating Facebook posts, you're creating content, you know, videos for, for TikTok, apply the same ideas. And that, that way you're kind of getting like Gary V talks about this a lot, right? Where he will, you'll be all over tons of different social media and something he, he uses on one, like you'll, you'll have um, maybe a Twitter, go tweet something, snapshot that post it to an Instagram story, make a video out of it, put that on, you know, YouTube or like whatever, like he, he uses the same kind of content across multiple platforms. And so the more that you can do that, the more you can be in front of your audience, the better, as long as you're, you're kind of following those five principles. Wow. Wow. That, that's awesome. And it's so with the, with the target audience, I do think that a lot of, again, we, we don't, a lot of people don't have an idea of who their target audience is or how to even to pinpoint who that target audience uh, is. Uh, just from your experiences, do you have like a, a nice three steps or, you know, three methods, uh, methods or something that kind of helps people identify what their target audience is so that they can better, you know, put the, the, the content in front of the right people? Yeah. <laughs> 100%. This is something this is the most important part, because you have to understand number one. Well, you, you do have to understand who they are first, right? Once you understand like, okay, who is my target audience, right? Um, there's actually probably more than three things There's probably five again, that I would say like, number one, you want to understand like, okay, who exactly they are. So this is what do they eat every day? What do they do every day? Uh, where are they every day? Like, what, what are the common things they're doing? Um, like, like, just who are they? Where do they, where do they, where they reside? What social media are they commonly on? Like, that's one thing. Number two, you want to differentiate that from people that you do not want to work with. 
right? So that's something that you don't want to leave out. You, you want to have both. You want to know, okay, who is my target market? And then you also need to, to actually define who is it I don't want to work with, right? Because that's also very important. You don't want to be writing uh, ad copy, right, or content for a, for a market that includes both of those. So you want to differentiate that. So that's number one. The second thing is you want to, once you know who it is, you want to find out what is their current reality. And this is just take, this just takes research. Um, this just takes talking to either people that are your target uh, market or target client or talking to people who often work with them. Right. And you want to find out what is their current reality. That's number, that's like, that's like the next thing. What is their current reality? What, what is their, their day-to-day struggles, uh, goals, um, pain points, things that, that they, right. That they, that they struggle with. And then like, what is it that they are, that they um, desire? So that would be the next step, right? So you find out their current reality. What is their desired outcome? What is it that they actually want to achieve? Where do they want to go? What do they need to be fixed? What problems do they need solved? And then once you know that, so you, so you know who you want to work with, who you don't want to work with, you know their current reality you know, and their struggles and their pains, you know their um, desired outcome. So this is their goals and where they want to get it. And then you have to understand, okay, what is the common gap? What, like, what is it that, that, that prevents them from getting from here to here? What is stopping them from going from the current reality to their, to their desired outcome? Once you understand that, then you position yourself through your content or what you're advertising, whatever you're doing, as the bridge to, to gap that. So you want to separate those two things as far as possible when you're speaking to that audience. And after you separated their current reality and their pain points from their desired outcome, so it's very clear, then you draw that bridge and you say, okay, now here's my process to get you from here to here. And that's, if you can, if you can figure that out about your target market, about your clients, writing ad copy or, or even just finding ad copy that you know would work well is, it becomes much easier because it's, it's, it's pinpointed. Another nugget. Another nugget. So, man, that actually answered a couple questions that I that I was getting ready to ask you, Derek. And just one, it sounds like this is way more formulaic than people have thought. I've even are am guilty of this. I thought that you know, ads was just something naturally that revolved a lot of required a lot of trial and error, just kind of figuring these things out. And even still, you know, I like to say that I was more aware that you definitely want to have a target audience and figuring out the best ways to identify that target audience. But even now you stressing the importance of also identifying who you don't want to work with as well. And I think that's huge. That's super important because it helps you be a lot more intentional with the ad as well. A lot more intentional when you know the people that you really want to work with and being able to identify the person that you don't want to work with as well. So that's a huge nugget. So, um, just from your experiences of working with the countless clients that you have, um, what do you think is one mistake that always repeats itself when people run ads for the first time? Well, I, I mean, there's, there's a couple of things. If it's face, if you're talking about just Facebook, a lot of people will confuse like boosting a post with actually running ads. Um, that's, that's just, that's just one common thing I run into. Um, running an actual ad campaign is much different than just boosting a post. Um, but that's the, the 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 larger thing that I think people should understand is like it does take um, testing. Um, I remember when a lot of people were still trying to kind of figure out like how do we do Facebook ads for motivated sellers, 
And I remember talking to a lot of marketers and a lot of the, just the kind of general feeling that I had was everyone was kind of looking like they're all looking for like that one ad to rule them all. Right. Like that one picture, that one ad, like, and then that's how you do it. Right. And you just need to know that that one system and then that'll get you results. Well, that's not the way things work. It, like I keep saying, it involves testing. Um, so what happens is it doesn't matter the platform. This could be Google pay-per-click. This could be Facebook. This could be Instagram, whatever platform you're running ads on or doing marketing on. It doesn't even have to be paid traffic. If you only try one strategy, if you only try once and you try one image, one ad copy, one video, and that's it, and it doesn't work, then people too quickly come to the uh, belief that, okay, well, now just this, this is just going to work at all. That it did, you know, it didn't, for whatever reason, I tried it, it didn't work. And that's just because they didn't do enough testing. When I test something, um, for example, in Facebook, there's a, there's a tool called Dynamic Creative. And Facebook didn't used to have this years and years ago. Um, it was something new that they added maybe like two and a half years ago, two years ago or something like that. Um, but you can now you can test up to 10 different images and videos at a time, 10 different ad copies at a time, 10 di- or uh, five different headlines at a time. And within a couple of days, you're going to know exactly which is performing better based. To, that's how powerful these algorithms are at this point. And so if you know how to use those tools, you can get a lot of testing done fairly quickly. But that's that's the key thing to understand is that that's that's what all of this is, is, is fine, is testing, you know, because every market is different, right? Every business is different. Um, every, you know, all these different platforms are different. And so you do have to do a bit of testing to figure out what's going to work and what's not. Yeah, definitely. Definitely going to have to do a lot of testing. Um, and that can be, that can be tricky, right? Because it, it, it can also be, again, defeat, like diminishing on a person's pockets one <laughs> and on their, their mindset, just to kind of see this thing not working and not working. Um, but another thing that you mentioned was just the difference between um, that there's a difference between boosting a post and an actual ad. What are some of the main differences? Because again, I'm over here boosting social media posts and thinking like, Oh, okay, this is a good ad. Or I was like, okay, this doesn't work. And I'm thinking, let me just change the audience and edit things this way, but it's still not necessarily running an ad. So what's like the biggest difference between boosting a post on social media and actually creating an ad uh, and running that ad? So you could, you could call boosting a post an ad if like, it's, it's still technically an ad. It's just how you are. It's just that it's not really a campaign. So what mm-hmm. you're doing basically when you're boosting a post is you are selecting a specific, like for example, Facebook, we'll go to Facebook again. Um, I mean, you can do this, obviously you can do this with, uh, with other platforms, but what you're doing is you're selecting, okay, what is the, uh, kind of target audience that I would like to show this to, right? And what is the, um, kind of interest they may have, right? Mm-hmm. And you're just showing that post to that one audience, but the objective is, is, is only just to have that post seen by more people. There isn't really, unless you unless you have something tied to that post, it doesn't go much farther than that. So with a campaign, you, you are doing what's either called a conversion campaign or a lead generation campaign. Um, usually at least within the real estate space. And this is where you are trying to get actual leads to submit via a form or to go to your website and submit and to have that all tracked on the back end so that Facebook 
or campaign on its own. And so it's different than just having a single post, push it out there, get more people to see it. Um, there's just so much more that you can do uh, with Facebook, for example. I mean, you can also run messaging campaigns where people are sending messages, you know, responding to it directly to your inbox. Um, you can run engagement campaigns where the goal is solely to get more engagement on the ad. Um, mm -hmm. There are campaigns where you're solely running a campaign just to get more traffic, right? Without the lead generation or the conversion uh, objective. Uh, so there's there's a lot more that you can do within um, the actual business manager account when you actually when you build that out for your business. Mm -hmm. Do you think that? Um... Do you think the offer makes a huge difference in the success of the campaign as well? Like maybe having a, just kind of like a lead generating offer where you kind of offer some type of free playbook or free resource just to kind of get someone's name and email address and phone number versus, you know, something that is like an ebook that may cost, you know, 40, 50 bucks. Do you think that the offer makes a huge difference in the success of the campaign as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Um, it really that depends also on the, on the niche, on the industry that you're working in. Mm -hmm. Um, like for example, for real estate, just take real estate investing, wholesaling. Um, we've run kind of like, uh, campaigns, we call them lead magnets, right. Where you have like a, some sort of, um, value or something that you're providing in return for just an opt-in, a very simple opt-in, probably just the, the name and the email. And so we've, I've, I run campaigns like, you know, for a, um, something like a foreclosure guide or something, right. To try to, to, to build an audience or attract an audience that is, um, you know, maybe going through foreclosure and knows people who are going through foreclosure mm -hmm. and, you know, you start to build that audience and then you retarget, you, 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 um, advertise to that same audience with a different type of ad. Right. And what I found through doing that is just that running kind of just direct response marketing um, actually worked better. But in other industries, especially for info, like info products, that works really well, right? It's kind of the same idea as a webinar. If you run, you run an ad, you run, um, you're just basically talking about some sort of training that you're, that you're doing, then you're providing a lot of value on the training. You, so that's the ad that you're running. You take people to right some sort of a landing page, and they opt in, right, through email or a name or maybe phone number or something like that. But then they can watch the training. They get a lot of value out of the training. And now you've built, not only are you, you generating leads in that sense, but you're also building an audience to target again on the same platform. And this is what you can, all this kind of stuff, you can't do this with boosted posts, right? This whole like re retargeting mechanic, that's something that um, you have to do through the ads manager. Um, but in but so you know that's why I'm saying that kind of depends on the niche. It kind of depends on the industry. Um, what I what I think is really powerful is when you when you create a video, and you run a video ad, and then you retarget only people who have watched like seventy five percent of that video ad. So that's similar to kind of what you're describing. Like um, in that video, you're kind of offering value. You're you're, you're educating, establishing establishing your brand and yourself as an authority. And the people who are actually are really interested in that, they're going to watch most of the video. And so then you can say, okay, um, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. I want you to now take, you know, all of the people that have watched 75% or more of that video. And we're going to show a different ad to them now. And we're going to present like our actual offer. Or 
something really powerful is you can say, okay, take all those people that watch that percentage of that video. And I want you to create another audience that looks very similar to them, but is not the same people. And we're going to market to them. And that's called a lookalike audience. Mm -hmm. Now you mm -hmm. can do this in wholesaling. Like if you have a bunch of skip traced leads or data, like you have a whole bunch of phone numbers, you have a whole bunch of emails, first, last name, as long as it's a list of like 10,000 or more people, you can plug it directly into Facebook. Facebook will match a certain percentage of those people to people on its platform and you can market directly to them or again, create that lookalike audience just to get like a better subset of the population to actually push your ads to. So that's kind of like the, the practical application of that. Like I said, it depends. Like if you're not doing wholesaling, then obviously, you, you know, if you have a customer list, for example, if you're a real estate agent, you have a, a list of certain people, you know, like uh, you might have like a home buyers list or, you know, it, if you, it just really just depends on, on what kind of business you're doing. Like if you're doing um, work with NFTs, then maybe it's all the people, you know, that already opted into something in your discord or, you know, or some, something like that. You'd have to, I'd have to think about it exactly. But that's, that's really powerful because again, it comes down to testing. You want to test that audience against just kind of like a wide open audience because one may perform better than the other. Yeah, I love that. And it, it sounds like it's just, <clears throat> I love that we're giving this content too. And, and Derek is really giving people an idea of just how to think and be a little bit more intentional in the long run. Because I'm thinking like, even for the people that may not be in a position to start running ads tomorrow, just from the content that you just shared, if I'm that person, I'm going to now be more intentional of like, creating some lead generation offers, finding a way that I can build out my email list, finding out a way I can build out my customers list or my buyers list so that when it comes time for me to put out this video ad for, or for me to put out this, this, uh, this ad in general, I have that list that I can just plug and play. And then you have these lookalike audiences that you can market to and all kinds of powerful things. Uh, and while we're on the topic of intention, I think that for me is probably the biggest reason or the biggest difference between boosting a post versus doing something in the actual ads manager. Because most of the times when we boost a post, it's just a photo or video that we already posted on Instagram that might not have gotten the attention that we thought it deserved. So we just boosted it. And it's not necessarily with the intentions of this is going to be an ad campaign, uh, so forth and so on. So, uh, man, everything that you said, I'm like loving, I'm eating it all up and I hope that the millionaires are too. So what would be your three keys after everything that we just kind of talked about, what are your three keys to running a successful ad? If you can kind of give us that list, what that list looks like. Well, I mean, there's a couple of things. First, you got to decide, um, do I like what, what currency are you using in your business? That's what I think. Number one, are you, are you primarily using your time or are you primarily using your money right now? Mm. If you're, you're primarily using your time and this is something you want to learn on your own, I suggest like, Number one, find either someone that can that knows what they're talking about that can help you to learn how to do this well from the beginning. Or number two, invest in some sort of there's all kinds of training. There's all kinds of free training out there. There's all kinds of paid training, but find something specific for your niche, for your industry um, to learn it if you're going to spend your time to actually learn it. Because um, you can just learn generally about, you know, how to run ads here and there. But if you can find someone that specifically in your industry knows exactly what works what doesn't because they've done all the testing before look for that now if you're just going to use your money and you're not going to use your time to do this on your own 
the same principle applies. Find someone that you can trust to do it for your specific niche and industry. But number two, you need to understand that it, it's going to take um, you know time to do the testing, depending on the platform. Obviously, like if you're doing something like Google Pay-Per-Click, you have to right, wait for clicks and leads and things to come through before you have the data to, to really analyze what's working, what's not. Whereas with maybe if you're using a platform like Facebook, you can do testing fairly quickly, right? And actually understand fairly, fairly fast within just a week, what's going to work and what's not. And so you have to understand that, that it, it, you need to do testing, but start with, you know, a foundation that's already strong. And then from there, you have to just understand that this is, you know, it's all about ROI, right? In most advertising, what you're looking for now, I would say it's it's going to vary based on the industry, but you you want to look for something that's going to give you a five to one return on investment. So you have to realize that initially you're going to put money in, right? And you have to build that system out, but it's for that longer term benefit so that your business can grow and scale over the long term. So don't think of don't think of running ads and marketing as like a get rich quick quick kind of thing. Think of it as a long term investment investment in your business if you're going to do it on your own. Either find someone who knows how to do it well for your specific industry already and take the time to really learn it, right? And be ready to think about it in a, in a quarterly way, not just like, okay, I'm going to try this for a couple of days. If it, nothing works, then I give up. I'm done, right? Um, that, that would be my advice. Well, I definitely know which one I'm doing because my time is already ran thin. I'm going to my guy, Derek. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going straight to the the ads plug that's what i'm that's where i'm going and uh you're right it is an investment and when people start start to think of it more of an investment as opposed to an expense um because an expense is something that doesn't give you a return right an investment is it may not give you a return tomorrow it may not give you a return in the next week but through the right you know, attitude and the right strategies applied and, and so forth and so on, that investment will yield a return uh, eventually. So uh, once people kind of understand that and think of these these things as investments, it goes a long way. Um, so when, when do your clients typically start to see results after, you know, applying some of these things? And of course, uh, let's let's go about it two different ways, because you may have a client that comes to you that already has all this stuff figured out and they're more so going to you to do the implementation. And you may have a client like myself, that's a total noob in the game and may need, you know, a little bit more help building this out. When, when do you start to typically see the results uh, in the fruits, um, you know, kind of uh, bear from that labor? Yeah. So if you're talking just with wholesalers, I mean, I've had multiple clients that have gotten properties like more than one property under contract just in the first 30 days. Um, and that's with Facebook or Google pay-per-click. So the, the biggest thing is that as long as you have um, good follow-up, right? It, like, so if, just take wholesaling, for example. Wholesaling, all, it's all marketing from the beginning to the end. So it's, it's marketing to find the sellers. It's uh, sales, right, to get properties under contract, the acquisitions. It's marketing to find your buyers and the disposition side. The whole thing is marketing and sales. So once you have that already, okay, that's number one. Number two. Then you, of course, you build out the system that you're going to start um, testing, but you want to make sure that you have some sort of good follow-up in place that may be a little bit different than what you're used to just for kind of your, your, your normal day-to-day activity within your business. Because with online leads, you have to remember they are, sub, they are opting into your 
advertising. They're opting into your, uh, as, as a lead, they're accepting, okay, it's okay, please contact me. And so you want to, especially with something like Google pay-per-click, where those leads tend to be a little bit higher intent already because they're searching, you want to establish that relationship with the lead as fast as you possibly can. With Facebook, like this comes down to like, okay, well, you want to be able to follow up with them via text, email, maybe ringless voicemail within five to the five to 10 minutes, ideally under five minutes. Uh, just to give an example, I we used to work with a team out in Philadelphia when I was first kind of getting started with this a couple of years back and they had, a, they were a wholesaling team in uh, South Jersey and Philly, and they had a, uh, uh, acquisitions team for the morning and the evening and the afternoon and, and the night, right? So they had two teams. And if someone submitted as a lead for Google PPC at three in the morning, they would call them two minutes later. They'd be on the phone with that person. So to get started with this, to see results, the reason I bring all this up is because you want to have good follow-up systems in place so make sure that you, you know, you, you either automate this, right. Or find someone that can automate it for you. And this again, will help save you time because again, with online advertising, a lot of it is, it's just, it's numbers, it's numbers, numbers, numbers. I mean, that, that applies to whether you're doing uh, out, outbound marketing, right. Kind of organic marketing or paid traffic. It's a numbers game. And when these leads are coming inbound, they've opted into your system They've given you permission to contact them. So you want to have some sort of automated follow-up, whether that's an initial response, just saying, hey, we got your information, right? Or it's a more extended, like, you know, longer sequence where you're 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 sending them ringless voicemails, text messages, emails. What it, it's gonna vary niche to niche. I'm speaking mostly to what I've seen work well in wholesaling. Um, but that's a piece of it that you still want to have in your business. Um, ideally before you start running the ads doesn't mean you have to have it there. You can do all this work yourself, but to, again, to save yourself time um, with, with doing all that follow-up as it is a numbers game, you, it's, a, it's best to have that in place, right? So you, you're going to need um, just a couple of things, right? You're going to need the kind of the follow-up. You're going to need uh, a system for the ads. And then if you are running it to a, like a, an actual landing page, then you're obviously you're going to need that. That's not applicable in every situation, but um, like like we went to go back to your initial question like i was saying i've gotten um results from my clients and with just in just the first month and you'll start to get leads obviously within the first couple of days if you're implementing a strategy that is already kind of proven and you're testing things right from the beginning yeah that's the great answer great answer and the uh the automation i think is a is a big part of that as well uh just from personal experience uh you know having you know a system or something in place where you're getting the lead generations. And we've had uh, issues before where somebody will fill out a form at like three o'clock in the morning. Now, granted, nobody's, nobody's calling at three o'clock in the morning, but you want to have something that continues to have you on their mind after, because for someone to fill out a form at three o'clock in the morning, that means they're motivated. <laughs> and if you don't have something to like, exactly. let them know, like, Hey, I see you're motivated. I'm going to get to you as soon as I can then it's like they're just going to find the next person that, that reaches out to them first. It's like the first person, the first right. contact wins. And you think about it in, in the context of wholesaling, right? Where if, they're, if they've gone to the length of two in the morning, three in the morning, searching for someone to help them sell their house, they've probably looked at the top three results on Google, put their information into all three of those to get a different offer from three different companies. And if they do that and someone immediately follows up with them two minutes later, 
one, their mind's already on their problem. They're already looking for, for help, right? So you've now established that relationship with them and you've already started talking with them and helping them solve their problem before the other couple companies wake up in the morning and see they got a new lead and call them at nine or 10. And by then they, you know, they've already found someone that's working with them. So you get an advantage by doing that. Now, again, don't do that with Facebook because Facebook's a different type of marketing. Facebook is disruption marketing, right? So people have, right, they, they weren't initially planning on whether they already are a hot, cold, medium, or, you know, warm, whatever lead. Um, they, the psychology was that their mind is just on scrolling through their newsfeed. Right. In that moment, it wasn't on like, okay, I want to fix my problem now. They were just scrolling. They still may be a hot lead, but that's not the psychology. So calling them at three in the morning is probably not a good idea. Right. But still, yeah, like you're saying, you want to be able to follow up with them immediately after in the morning. So let's say that you're busy, right? And you're doing something else that day. Okay. And leads are still coming in. Well, now you at least have these sequences, this automation that you've built out already reaching out to them in a casual way. Right. So you don't sound like a robot. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's already kind of keeping in contact with those leads. Mm-hmm. So they're not mm-hmm. left hanging. One thousand percent. Early bird gets the worm first. And that's where that saying comes from. <laughs> that's where yeah. the saying comes from. <laughs> Let's just say that. So, Derek, as we start to wrap things up, man, I definitely appreciate you for and, you know, just for bringing your expertise and your knowledge uh, to the show and really helping our millionaires just kind of understand the game of marketing and, and advertisement. Uh, a couple more questions for you, uh, of course, before we wrap things up. Uh, you mentioned a lot about, you know, target audience and you mentioned the intention of not just identifying the target audience, but also identifying the the, the person that you don't want to work with. I want to, you know, at, you know, I'm very curious, what does that look like for you? What is the mindset of some of your most successful clients and just kind of picking like, okay, this is, the, this is the type of client I really want to work with. And then how, what mindset have you identified as far as the clients that you've decided, Hey, these are not the type of clients that I want to attract. Yeah. So the two things that immediately come to mind is, um, I, I tend to, I find that my best clients are action takers. First of all, that's number one is um, they tend to be quicker to make decisions and decisive. Um, the people in terms of people that I tend not to work with, um, I mean, when it comes to real estate, obviously, I have to qualify for right. If someone is brand new to real estate, just getting in the door, um, then, you know, the, if they don't have their their acquisitions figured out, if they don't have their dispositions figured out, um, then really, like, I wouldn't recommend them to even to to look at paid traffic until they have their actual systems in place, right? Like, every, every business is going to be different, but every business has, like, you need, you know, you need one, two, three, you need this, like, kind of foundation, right? So that when, if you do get customers, if you're running paid traffic and you get customers, you can actually handle those customers, right? You can actually make good use of those leads. Like, so I, I make sure, I, like, that's one thing I check for. Um, in terms of, like, what I, um, and that, you know, that would apply to who I am looking for as well. But um, I, I've noticed that there's kind of two different groups of people. There are people that, like you said, are implementation um, focused, and there are people who are kind of acceleration focused. So this basically means like, uh, there's people that want to kind of do this um, with me, right? And they want to learn and want to be more involved in the process. They don't want to micromanage. But they just, they, they want to be more involved, but they struggle to implement. They just need help implementing it. Then there are people who are kind of like the acceleration clients who really just, they want to hand this off to someone. And again, it's kind of decisive and just want to, to move 
a little bit quickly. And so when I work with them, I'm kind of helping them to, you know, rather than them doing all this work and research themselves, I'm accelerating that process for them, accelerating that ability for them to get results to get to their, again, their desire. That's kind of my thinking know, who I'm going to work with. Which of those categories are they kind of falling in? Is this someone who wants just kind of more help implementing and they want to be more involved? Or is this someone who wants to be totally hands-off and is just looking for that acceleration mm-hmm. um, towards, you know, getting these systems set up? Awesome. Awesome. I love it. And for those that you don't recommend working with that don't have those systems already set up, you can send them right over to me and we'll get them right so that we can send them right back to you. (laughs) All right. So that sound, Derek, means that we are now switching gears to our next segment of the show. Um, Like I said, we almost wrapping things up, but I want to kind of drop our shoulders a little bit, have some fun. And we like to call this segment rapid fire. So I have five random questions that have nothing to do with anything that we've been talking about for the last uh, 45 minutes or so. Um, It's sponsored by our guys over at Poddex. So the key here is just to be brief, be brilliant, but most importantly, have fun. So if you can answer the question with one word or one sentence, that'd be amazing. You ready? Okay, I'll try. Awesome. Let's do it. What is the weirdest thing you find attractive in a person? The weirdest thing? I don't know if it's weird. Probably intelligence. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't consider that weird, but we can go with that one. Most yeah. people may not consider what Most people wouldn't find that attractive. So let's get it. Serious question. Do you count your steps? No, I used to uh, not watch, not step on cracks outside on the sidewalk when I was a kid, though. Oh, man, if you didn't do that as a kid, you had a horrible <laughs> childhood. <laughs> if you didn't step, if you didn't avoid the cracks or you didn't break your mama back, you yeah. had a horrible childhood. <laughs> All right. If you could jump into a pool full of something, what would it be? Uh, Mediterranean Ocean in Greece. Mm. 100%. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Sounds like somewhere I need to be right now. Would you would you rather be the best player on a horrible team or the worst player on a great team? Uh, worst player on a great team. Worst player on a great team. Okay, give us the, the logic or the thought process behind that one. Because they're going to pull you up. They're going to make you better. I love so it. So you can be... Yeah, if you're if you're the if you're the best on a, on a team, then you, you're going to be... I mean, there's a benefit to that because you can be the leader. But if you want to grow, you got to surround yourself with those who are ahead of you. So mm-hmm, definitely. I was watching this debate on um, the social group podcast and they were uh, the two hosts were uh, debating on uh, uh, is the weak. Are you only as strong as your weakest link or are you only as strong as your ability to lead? So out of that one, which one, which, which one would you pick? Are you only as strong as. uh? The way that I think about things is I'm only as strong as my um, my lowest standards, basically. I don't know if that if that makes sense, but like, um, you pe- like the way that I look at it is people don't. Um, how do I explain this? Basically, you, it's much easier to fall into and be limited by your your standards than it is mm-hmm. to, to to reach your 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 highest kind of goals and aspirations, right? Your mm-hmm. highest goals and aspirations, like you might get there and then, you know, for a brief moment and come back, but you, you, more often than not, you're going to be kind of uh, down to what your, your lowest standards are. So if you raise your standards, that's going to push you up towards your, your highest aspirations. 
I hope that that makes sense. I don't no, know if that, I explained that. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm even going to relate that to uh, what we discovered with our wholesale uh, business. It's like we had the standard of doing 15K a deal. And so we were only as good as that lowest standard. We started to see a lot more 10K deal, 15K deals. But as soon as we raised the standard to, okay, we want 25K per deal. Now we're starting to see a lot of 30, 40, 50K deals just because we've raised that standard. So I definitely 1000% get what you're saying. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. So last, uh, last question for the rapid fire we have, what do you think is the most unpleasant sounding word? Unpleasant sounding word. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. That's a hard one. We can go to another one. I don't, most people don't. So I've only had, I've asked that question, I think maybe all of three times and only one person was able to answer it. And the word was moist. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard a lot of people don't like that word. I, I, I get that. Yeah. All right. So we could, we could go to another one. I got one more for you. Do you have any superstitions? Superstitions? Um, I don't have superstitions, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am I am spiritual and I do I do believe that there are such things as, as ghosts and uh, kind of malevolent energies out there. So <laughs> I don't know if you call that a superstition, but um, yeah, when it comes to spirituality, there are certain things that I do believe. Um, whole nother topic, though. <laughs> whole nother topic, but I love to hear. I love to hear. So, man, Derek, I appreciate you uh, hopping on the call and joining us and dropping the amazing gems that you have. We got two final questions for you before we wrap up uh, today's uh, interview. And um, the first one is I'm going to put the ball in your court, right? So I want to hear, and, and I have to be very specific on what I'm asking because so far, most people assume that I was going to give the options. So I want to know. If you could give us a red pill, blue pill scenario, what is that scenario going to be? So give us a red pill to pick and give us a blue pill to pick. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to put this on the Facebook group. I'm going to put this on our Twitter account uh, and I'm going to have people vote on your red pill, blue pill scenario and uh, tag you in the results. How about how does that sound? Interesting. Okay. Red pill, blue pill. Yep. What would you what would you pick? Uh, so these are just any kind of scenario, basically. So you Anything you want it to be. Scenario for red and pick a scenario for blue. Uh, hmm. And while you think about that, try not to... Um, why you think about that yesterday was pretty funny. So I had my guy, Ryan, and he, and he like sold the hell out of the red pill and the blue pill was like, well, why would I pick the blue pill? You made this red pill sound so good. So like his example was basically like live forever with the red pill and die tomorrow with the blue pill. Don't do that because <laughs> no one's picking the blue pill. <laughs> Find some type of like give and take for each of them. <laughs> All right. Okay, so red pill, you lose your ability to read. And mm-hmm. blue pill, you lose your ability to taste. Mm. That's a really good one. So the red pill, you lose your ability to read. So you can't read anything. Like, okay. And then with the blue pill, you lose your ability to taste. Oh, man. 
I'm not. I I can't vote, so I'm not even going to try. But I really love that question, and I really want to vote. So that's a nice one. I appreciate that. So go ahead, millionaires. If you heard it, go ahead and vote on the Twitter, or you can vote on the Facebook group if you're in our private Facebook group, or you can also comment in the the comments below if you're watching this on YouTube. So let us know which pill you're taking. That blue pill, lose your your abilities to read, or no, that's the uh, red pill, lose your abilities to read, or the blue pill, lose your abilities to taste. What you guys picking? So, Derek, the next question for you is um, you walk, you walking down the street and uh, you happen to see 18 year old Derek. What, what would be some advice that you would give your 18 year old self? Uh, man, I would say to. Hmm, def- definitely uh, face face. Face things that you're afraid of head on. That's number one, um, because a lot of fear is just in the head. It's just in the mind. And I, this is something I experienced a lot as a coach. Um, like, for example, when I was a gymnast, there's a lot of things I was afraid of, right? Different skills, um, different on um, different uh, events that I used to train on. And when I became a coach later and I was teaching kids how to do these same things, um, I started to realize, like, there are certain things that once you do it once, the fear is gone because you've proved yourself through the experience that there's nothing to be afraid of. And so that's one thing I would definitely try to reinforce to myself because there's a lot of times in my life when fear prevented me from, you know, from getting to places I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. It took much longer than I, than I would have wanted it to. Mm -hmm. Um, That's, that's a big one. You got to face, face fear, uh, whatever those situations are head on I, there's a good saying i heard recently that was like you know if, if the more afraid you are of something the, the more that the more it's pointing out to you that you need to do it exactly uh, really powerful uh, are you familiar with the uh the story of the buffalo soldier and wh- how that term came came uh, about i don't think so huh so it, it came about with the the just how buffaloes uh in the wild how they respond to threat and mostly the most threats are of buffalo buffaloes is like storms and things like that. So while all the other animals are fleeing and trying to run away from the storm, buffaloes actually run towards the towards the storm because the logic is if you run into it, you actually face the storm a lot um, uh, quicker than you would if you were running from it because you can't outrun it. At the end of the day, it's going to catch up. So if you're running away from it, you're running in it now. So it's like you're just spending more and more time in the storm if you run away. So I definitely love that logic and that advice that you would give, you know, not just to 18 year old Derek, but really to most of our youth out there. You know, when it comes to things that you you fear, but it keeps coming up as something that you want to do, but you're just afraid to do it. You just need to just jump out and do it because the longer you <laughs> the longer you try to run away from it, the more and more is going to come up and the longer it takes you to actually beat that fear and, and rise above rise above the occasion. So great advice, Derek. Uh, now I want to give you the opportunity to uh, really, you know, plug yourself in. Tell us where we can find you on social media. Uh, tell me, tell us about any special projects that you have coming up, some things that you're super excited about, some new innovations, anything. I want to give you the space to now share uh, what you have going on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So my, um, you can find me on Instagram at Schleeps, my last name, S C H L I E P S, and uh, on Facebook, just uh, either search Derek Schleeps or at Facebook.com/slash Derek Schleeps is my uh, business page. 
And um, I mean, in terms of what I've got coming up, like I, like I said, um, I've worked a lot with, you know, Facebook, Google pay-per-click, things like that. I'm looking more now into TikTok. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm also looking more into, you know, NFTs and um, non-fungible tokens and how that's going to apply to the real estate space. Uh, into, I'm also looking into some, you know, like how, how do we do actual better marketing for these kind of companies that are, because this, this whole space is, is, is exploding. Um, and that also TikTok is now kind of exploding as well. So those are two huge avenues that I'm starting to kind of set my eyes on. Don't have anything specific right now, but um, that is definitely where I'm, where I'm kind of looking at least for the future. Um, Cause I just see, you know, 10 years down the road it, that, you know, crypto uh the blockchain it's basically you know it's, it's web 3.0 and that's going to apply to real estate that's going to apply to that's going to apply to every industry so that's really where i've got my um got my sights set uh for kind of like you know the mid to long term at least mm-hmm. awesome awesome well congratulations on everything that you have going on Derek. i'm super excited to you know be able to continue to stay in contact with you and, and to continue to network and, and and be a part of your your other accomplishments hopefully i can be your next accomplishment right so i'm looking forward to the things that we can all do together and uh and i again want to express my gratitude just for you joining us and and having you on the show because i really feel like you did drop a lot of game and a lot of knowledge that our millionaires are going to take out of this and be able to apply uh, and really become better entrepreneurs themselves. So with that being said, I also want to give a huge shout out and a huge thanks to our millionaires out there who are tuning in week in, week out, just being a part of the show every Monday and every Friday, you guys are showing up and showing out. So thanks in advance for becoming the change agents that you're bound to become as you apply the principles that you heard today. And if this episode really, really spoke out to you and you have the systems now, you have the the operations, you have the plans in place to where now you are looking to take a little bit more time to yourself, take your time back and you are willing to invest that money to where you can learn as, but you don't really know where to start. Then I definitely want to plug in again, Derek, because as you see, he is super knowledgeable and super credible in what he does and he can help you get from where you are to that desired result. So if you are looking to make that change and to get some ads up, definitely consider working with Derek and Hey Derek, do you think we can get some type of sponsor code or something out there so you can know uh, and decipher who's a part of the, the million dollar mind community? Yeah, we could figure something out. All right. I'm thinking something like pod beast. How you like that one? Sorry. What we go? I didn't hear you. Uh, pod beast, pod beast yeah, or sure. Coolio. So guys go ahead and uh, hit up Derek. Let him know that you're a part of the community by putting in the word pod beast. I'll make sure that I include some type of link to either his Instagram or however, uh, however we can get you guys in contact with him, uh, but make sure you do include pod beast. So he knows that you are a member of the community and he will look out for you. So I'm your guy, Kai speaks and you just heard from Derek sleeps on creative ways to impl- Put in marketing systems in your small business. Just remember to build momentum, keep focused, and drive results so you can live abundantly. Peace. All right, millionaires, got some quick and exciting news for you all. I said I was going to make it happen, and it is officially here. We are now on YouTube, which means that video content is fully accessible to you all. Full episodes are going to be dropped and updated every Monday and Friday. Same cadence that you're already used to. So make sure you head on over to our official YouTube channel. Like, 
and subscribe. Show all the love that you can and let that algorithm do its thing. Continue to put that content in front of you. But all right, got to go. Love y'all.